Welcome to Remember When, a podcast for capturing the stories, insights, and lessons learned that will enable you to age forward with grace and ease. I'm your host, Kiki, and today's episode is sponsored by Elder Pride 2023. Now here's Reverend Jack Elliott, or as we like to call him, RJ. We are discussing rule number nine in Jordan B. Peterson's The 12 Rules for Life, an antidote to chaos. Rule number nine is assume that the person you are listening to might know something you don't. Um, this was one of the, 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 the ones, RJ, uh, that just in reading the rule alone uh, struck me. And I think, at least my interpretation, I think I knew exactly what it was talking about. And it, and it reminded me um, when people come to me for advice um, that I assume just the opposite of rule number nine. Uh, they're coming for, to me for advice. They tell me what's going on. I'm assuming that they know nothing uh, <laughs> about what they're asking me for advice about. And uh, even if they do know a little bit about it, they certainly don't know more than, than I know about it um, because they're coming to me for advice. So this to me, when I read it, it's just it was in a very important understanding um, and a great assumption to have that, you know, at least maybe they know something about, um, you know, about what they're coming to talk to me about. And it also brought up to me, it reminds me when you and I have coaching sessions, one of the questions that you ask me is it's, if, I, if I pose a question to you, and you would ask me, what did I think about it? And I would say, I don't know, or I'm not sure. And you, your response would be, but what if you did know? Um, what would you say? Or do you have any thoughts about it? Um, and it gives me an opportunity to give information in rule number nine that even, and, and I could do the same thing to the person I'm listening to, they, undoubtedly will know something about what they're coming to me from. So that's my short take on it. I'm very interested in, to see what you have to take on it. I, I know you'll go deeper than, than, than I did. Well, maybe, maybe not. You know, one of the things that I love, though, uh, it gave me an opportunity to engage in the rule by listening to you explain it to me. And so oftentimes we may hear a teacher in the front of the room say, well, tell me what you think. Now, I know that the golden nugget that one of our spiritual teachers that we both love and admire, the Reverend Dr. Andrea Earl, will often say to people, oh, tell me a bit more about that. That just asking that question gives her the opportunity to hear more of the story. You know, because we've all been in that um, meeting, whether it be at the PTA or at the corporate boardroom or at a training where somebody asks the question and before they even get five words of the question out to ask, 
we're already coming up with our answer because we want to shine. We want to be the person in that room that stands out among the others. And we're not listening to understand. We're listening to respond. And so often in life, we get in trouble with that. I know when I was in my corporate experience, when I was working as a C-suite executive in human resources or administration, oftentimes I would have to say to people who would stop me in the hallway, they would ask me a question and I would immediately just respond so I could get on down the hallway. And then I would pay the consequence for that communication later on when they did something that was so out of alignment with what they should be doing. And they would be able to say, well, Jack said, and I'm thinking, when did I say this? And I realized that I really had to stop and listen to the question fully. And then here's the other little nugget that I learned. The first question often isn't the real question they want to ask. It's, it's putting that toe in the water. It's testing the uh, receptivity of you to see whether you're willing to really spend time with them, to see them, to hear them. So the first question really isn't the one that they need some support with. And I have also learned that by listening by saying something of, oh, now tell me a little bit more about that, or prodding just a little bit in a gentle way to say, well, now I hear you, but help me to understand why you're bringing that to me today. Did something just happen? Is there something I need to be aware of? Tell me more about what's going on. And really be engaged in hearing the full story. And simultaneously, at the same time, listen to your own intuition as, you're, as they're telling you that story or as they're asking you that story. You know, so it could very well be, you know, a protege or a teenager in your life where they come to you and say, well, how do I do this thing? And it would be easier for you because you're busy just to go ahead and do the thing for them. Let me do it this time. And then later on, we'll explain it. Well, what you realize is that later on never happens. Oftentimes what they're really looking for in that is for you to say, I know you can figure this out. I know that you're going to be okay. And to have the confidence to do that, Thing, you know, to just really allow them to figure it out. And one of the ways that you could say that, you know, kind of paraphrasing what you said that I often say, if you did know, what would you do? I think even in that situation when somebody comes to us and asks for help and we want to do it, I often will say, well, tell me what you think you might do here. Because it may be just a tweak. It really may be just a, you know, you are right there. You're, you know, you're so close. But if you just did this one other little piece, you'll have this solution. You'll be right there. And I think that we are moving in a society where 
communication is recalibrating itself for a lack of a better word. I want to offer the idea that when we were young, many of us, it was before the time of, you know, any social media whatsoever. And the expectation of the people that we would engage in, in one's lifetime, I want you to really think about this number. If you were born prior to World War II or prior to the baby boom generation, you probably would never have met more than 100 people in your life. And probably half of those people would have been biological family. So there could be shorthands to communication. There could be kind of an understanding of what, you know, a raised eyebrow from your mother might mean, you know, type of thing. But now if you think about our millennials and the Generation Z, they're interacting with a thousand people every day in social media. So they are bombarded with a whole variety of communication. They are also going through that normal period of separating from the adults, finding their own individuality and creating their own shorthand, their own dialogue for communicating with one another that as elders, we're not supposed to understand. So we're kind of walking into that as well. And so it's requiring us to be far more patient than we've ever been before. Simultaneously and at the same time, it's being in communication with our peers that are also elders. This is one of the tells when we can notice, is there a shift in how I need to be there for that person? I need to be actively listening to how my dear friend is talking with me. Am I suddenly noticing that my dear friend is telling me the same story over and over and over? Not just for the humor part of it, not just so that we can reminisce about hearing the story again, but them not recalling whatsoever that they remember telling us that story just the day before. As someone who loves one another, we have to be attentive and listen to what we're hearing because they may be asking for help and we not even realize they're asking for help. Uh, they may be realizing that they're confused about something and we're just thinking, okay, well, they're confused about it. They'll figure it out because they always figure stuff out in their life, but maybe not anymore. So now we can introduce this idea of utilizing that catchphrase of, oh, tell me a little bit more about that. And also finding loving ways to say, oh, yes, I remember when you told me that. And especially when you told me you did the thing, or especially when they laughed with you on it, so that you can turn that into just a little nudge to them that I've heard this story before. Now, 
it's a gentle way of saying, are you okay? You know, one of the things that I have been discovering as of late, you know, we've done a lot of work around who is in our intimate circle, who is in our chosen circle of family and friends, and who's in our family and friends circle, and who's in our acquaintance circle, that at this time of life, there's this opportunity for those that are close in, those that we hold dear, to really take a discerning look of, are we getting the type of communication from them that makes us feel comfortable? So for example, I have talked to folks that have an adult youngster, an adult child living with them in their home. Well, that adult child living in their home, once they, they're an adult, they want the independence to come and go as they please and not check in with mom and dad like they used to. But now mom and dad is kind of in a place where they want to know. I may not want to know what you're going to do, but if you're, I want to know when you've left the house because I may not hear you both figuratively and literally leave the house. And so if I fall and I call out your name and I don't hear anything, I may not know that you're gone. You know, so it's this, it's this checking in and saying to your adult children, here's what I need now. I'm not getting in your business, but if you leave, I need to know that you've left and when you're going to be back. Don't have to give me any more detail than that. You know, if I need a ride to go to an appointment, I need to know that you're going to be there to go to the appointment, you know, because I talked with one woman who said that she set up three different appointments with her healthcare provider and asked her adult child if they could take them to the appointment. Oh, sure, mom, you know, you never have to worry about that. I always said I would take you to the doctor. But when it comes to the day of going to the doctor's appointment, oh, mom, I got tied up with something in the kid's school. Can you reschedule your appointment? And it's, it's just like, ah, I could if you would have told me yesterday. So it's renegotiating our agreements around communication. I have worked with other people who have said, listen, all I want is a text every morning. It could be sure looks like a sunny day, or it could be thinking of you, or it could be a cute little emoji. But it's a little check-in. I want to know that you're okay today. I want to know that you're all right. You know, we don't have to talk. We don't need to necessarily get into a lot of chit-chat. But if you don't do that, then we have an agreement that I am going to check in with you later in the day. Because we are here to be in community with one another. We are here to love one another. We are here to have the hand at one another's back. And part of doing so is to do two things. One, to be willing to tell, here's the communication that would serve me. And don't let anybody gaslight you and say, oh, no, no, that's not necessary. I can't do that. Okay, if they can't do that, they don't get to be in that circle of chosen family and friends. They get pushed off to the acquaintance circle. 
and that's okay. That's a sacred place to be, but you're not depending upon them in a way that's going to serve your highest and best. And when they tell you that, you must listen and act accordingly. You know, and you can kind of tell, you know, I worked with another coaching client who said, you know, I gave my copy of my house keys to my neighbor across the hall in case, you know, something ever happened and she needed to get in. And I thought she would be glad because I have a key to her apartment. But when I handed her mine, she said, why would I want these? And suddenly she realized, oh, this is not a neighbor that I can count on to be there for me in the same way that I would have been there for them. No shame in that needed to know that information, but I need to make sure that that extra set of keys is with a neighbor that I can count on to do something for me. We have the same kind of communication situation with our primary care physicians and our doctors. And so oftentimes, as we are now in this age where we have multiple doctor's appointments and we're checking in, you know, I had the direct, I had two experiences where I wanted to address around communication. Number one was when I went to the ophthalmologist and the ophthalmologist was not happy that the pressure in my eye hadn't adjusted as much as it should have from his point of view. So his first response was, I must not be honoring the regiment of my medication. So he turned around in the chair and saying, why aren't you using your eye drops like you're supposed to be? And I said, well, doctor, I am. And he goes, you couldn't be, or the number would be lower. And I said, well, I've been doing the best that I can with the communication that I was given. And he goes, what do you mean? The instructions are on the bottle. Doctor, I can't read the instructions on the bottle, but what your physician's assistant told me, the one with the turquoise cap I take in the morning, the one with the blue cap I take at night, the one with the black cap I take twice a day, morning and night. And he goes, you're not supposed to be taking the one with the black cap at all. Good to know. I would have never known had you and I not had this conversation right now. So again, one of the things that I'm noticing in this communication though, is that the primary care physician has taken on a very paternal punitive role in his communication to me. And that didn't feel right, but I didn't want to be um, disrespectful to him. But I then used the opportunity to say, tell me what it should be and I will remember it. He told me the instruction and I said, great. Now will you type that in to the electronic record so that everyone knows that? Because all that had been typed in was patient was given the instructions. Well, that physician's assistant meant that I was giving the piece of paper with the instructions on it. Never had the communication with me about it. The second thing is that I had an opportunity to really kind of watch how communications unfolds in our life. I had the opportunity where I went in to get new eyeglasses 
new frames and new, my prescription was up for renewal. And so I invited my godson to go with me because one of the things that I realized, other people are looking at my glass frames. I'm not. So I thought it could be fun to have somebody else give me the feedback. How do these look? Does this look good? Is this okay? You know? And so he got a chuckle out of that and wanted to go along. And as soon as we sat down at the desk and I put the first pair on, said, how do these look? The technician that was working with us from that moment on stopped talking to me and started talking to him as if I wasn't there. And at first I was like, oh, that's interesting. But at one point I had to say, I'm right here. Oh, sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. But it was just that interesting default of where do we go with this communication and getting no agreement first on how we're going to communicate and to do with that. So as we are moving through this time of life and as we are taking on new things, I want to invite us this week to really pay attention to communication as you hear it this week. This week, I don't, don't try to change anything. Just notice what you notice and how you feel about it when you see that, whether it be a customer support rep, whether it be somebody at the drive-through, whether it be communicating with your own children, you know, be willing to ask the question of the people that you care about. Okay, let's talk about this. What works for you in this communication? What helps you to understand in this communication? And I really think the key here is to listen, to absolutely listen and be willing to say, tell me a little bit more about that. Let's go a little bit deeper. Oh, I want to understand. Let's not immediately go to you're wrong or why would you say that or why would you do that? We're seeking first to understand and then explore those boundaries of how we can communicate better with one another. So what say you, Kiki? Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for that. I mean, I think that you can um, have the word listening listen or listening as we did in rule number nine, but to have the, the greater understanding and playing out of it, I think is, is, is even better. And one of the things that you said that really resonated with me um, when you were telling your stories um, is to make sure that you are listening to understand rather than listening to respond. Um, and listening and asking questions as well. Um, and not assuming that even if you are asked a specific question after the person is talking to you, that that's really the root of it. Um, as you're listening, using your listening skills um, and, and asking more questions to really get to what is this person um, trying to tell me? What you know? What what am I really listening to? Because it's it's not just the act of hearing; uh, it really is the act of understanding. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that the other really key things for me that you pointed out was in terms of 
dealing with people in the volumes that we deal with them now, that we, as when we were younger, we, our world was much smaller. Uh, and now with social media and Zoom, we have access to many more people. So I think it gives us an opportunity to really utilize these, these listening skills and these communication skills. And as you said, using communication that really serves us um, and of the people that, that are in our intimate circle, uh, really listening uh, and, and if, you know, thinking about it in the entire context of, you know, have things, have things changed, uh, you know, as we both get older. And I would also, you know, add also listening to myself. Um, there are times when I'm talking to people and I know that I have told the story to, uh, the story before, but I'm not sure whether I've told it to them. So I even will say, I don't know whether I've told you uh, the story. Um, and then the, and, and also, as you said, getting an agreement about communication with people in your, in your intimate circle so that you're clear about what you need in terms of communication and how you need it. Um, and I think that a variation of notice what you notice and why you notice uh, that you said this time was notice what you notice and how you feel about it specifically. Uh, and I'm going to give one more assignment with okay. this. With the people that we listened to this week, there's someone very, very, very important that I want you to listen to this week. Any idea who it is? Yourself. Exactly. Would you talk to another human being in the same tone or way that you talk to yourself? And what I want us to understand is so oftentimes when we, you know, we're all going to admit that if nobody's looking, we're talking out loud to ourselves. <laughs> and usually when we're talking out loud to ourselves, it's pretty punitive. It's not, I love you and I know that you've got this. It's like, you stupid idiot, how could you do that? You know, you spilt the milk again. You, you know, whatever it is, it's like, we're very demeaning to ourselves when we engage in that self-talk. And I want to remind you that every word you speak is a prayer mm -hmm. and is treated as such by the universe and by spirit. So if you're being punitive and demeaning to yourself, there's a part of your heart that's going to believe it. And we know that that's not true. So change up that dialogue. If you go to do something and it's confusing, I want to hear you say aloud, I'll figure this out. I'm going to find a way to do this thing. If you notice a shift, you know, one of the things that many people are telling me lately is they're surprised at how getting dressed now has to be a very conscious, intentional process. They just can't stand up by the closet anymore and throw their jeans on like they used to. They've got to lean against the wall or they've got to go sit on the bed or they've got to sit on the edge of the chair. They have to figure out a way to do the thing. And 
they start judging themselves for not being able to put their jeans on like they used to. Oh, you old fart, you just can't do this anymore. No, don't say that. Instead, instead praise yourself for being ingenious enough to come up with another way of doing it. You know, if you are a person who constantly, you know, many of us have multiple pairs of glasses because we forget where we lay them down. Well, instead of being punitive with yourself for forgetting where you put your glasses, say, I'm going to train myself to always put my glasses in exactly one of four places so that I don't just lay them down. But you're accommodating but you're talking to yourself with love and respect. And so this week, when you hear that self-talk, I also want you to notice how you feel when you hear yourself say that. Would you let your child talk to you that way? Would you let a friend talk to you that way? Would you let anyone else out in the world speak to you with that tone? Probably not. So let's stop it with our own self-talk. Listen to what you're saying to yourself. I love that. Um, you know, it's the ultimate form of self-love. And I, you know, as you mentioned, I think that we forget to love ourselves um, and, and we're much harsher to ourselves than we are to um, other people in our intimate circle or, or really anyone. Um, that, you know, even people in the, in the grander community. This is, uh, you know, I love this lesson. I also wanted to lift up what you said about in terms of everything that you speak um, is, is a prayer. And I, and I would add also that sometimes I don't have, I don't speak externally um, negative things about myself, but uh, they, are, they are in my head um, and, and, and I repeat them as prayers, as negative things. And uh, that's why it's also for me so, uh, such a good practice to have the affirmations um, and positive affirmations about myself that are, that are reinforced um, every day in terms of, of the things, of, uh, uh, things overall and things that, that, as you mentioned, that I used to be able to do effortlessly and, and now not so much, um, but I am still capable. I still can do them. And, um, uh, you know, I just have to take, take more time to do them. And, and that's true of almost every aspect in my life. And for me, it's also part of examining, um, you know, my life and, and giving blessings for my wonderful life as well. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Read our rule one more time. Absolutely. Thank you. Rule number nine, assume that the person you are listening to might know something you don't. And that person might be yourself. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you. We'll see you. We'll listen to you next time.
You have been listening to Remember When, a weekly podcast presented by our friends at Elder Pride. Serving our elders in the LGBTQ plus community and those that love them. At Elder Pride, we provide the tools, insights, and connections to assist you to age forward with grace and ease. Want more? Then join us for our virtual gathering every day at 3.45 p.m. Pacific time. You'll find the Zoom link at elderprideforme.org. I'm your host, Kiki, and you've been listening to Remember When, copyright 2023, Elder Pride Incorporated.